like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are here this week to start the last theme of 2020 through the cracks. These are movies that came out this year, which is a weird list because most of these movies went straight to streaming. But somehow, Corey and I managed to not see them until right now. Uh, The movie we're going to be reviewing tonight is the new Charlie Coffin film, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Um, But before we get to our full review of that movie, we like to catch up with how we've been doing and then see what we've been watching since the last time we recorded. So, Corey, how you doing? I'm fine. I'm ready for spring. Oh, wow. It's, you got a little ways. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, it's really cold here. It's completely pitch black before 6 p.m. You know, uh, I just need some sunshine. <laughs> you know, I don't remember it ever getting that dark this early in Florida before, but it's been like for a good month by like 545, it was dark. Like right now, it seems like all of a sudden it's it's waiting till about six, but it felt like for a solid month it was just like super dark, way way too early, and it was really weird. Um, and I I've lived in Florida my entire life, so it was it felt out of like I'm just like what's going on? Um, and it has been a little chilly this week. We did actually get to the 30s for like a second oh, this week. Like, that's but like so 39. cold there. It is, but I've enjoyed it for the most part because it has been nice. And I did I bought some uh like um running like tights essentially um and then like a long sleeve turtleneck that i wear under a regular shirt um so i could still run even though it was like chilly uh and it was it was pretty nice i still i still sweat um i'm such a natural sweater it doesn't seem to matter what the weather is uh Mm. but um you know i i like the uh the long sleeve thing it's it's an option that i've now got in place um, you know, I don't know how cool it's going to be in the morning tomorrow, but I will wake up and run because that's my Saturday tradition. Um, Saturday is my long run. I try to do at least five miles. So looking forward to that. But yeah, it's it's not as cold uh, here, obviously, as it is where you are. We have not had snow yet, um, <sighs> nor will we. But um, other than the weather, anything interesting happening? Um, I thought I broke some of my toes last night that was cool oh. um <laughs> what'd you do did you kick something <laughs> no i was rearranging my kitchen because we got a new coffee maker <laughs> and i somehow dropped like we have a heavy metal like brass paper towel holder and it just slipped right out of my hands and landed right on my foot i have a really beautiful bruise um oh. very painful i did think that i broke at least a toe but i think that we're okay they're bending and stuff um bill and i went to a drive through um christmas lights thing oh, uh, cool. yeah it was cool it was very expensive um i thought and it was also very annoying that like the music stops so the light because you like turn on music in your car and then it goes with the light show uh-huh. But they had way too many advertisement type things or telling you what to do during the music and they don't tell uh-huh. you to stop your car. So it was just like the lights weren't working. We thought they were broken at one point. I don't know. Oh man. But, yeah. Um and I really just 
haven't been leaving my house much. <laughs> I just stay home. So nothing exciting to report here. Well, I got I got um last night dragged to uh five below and target. Um, which I immediately remembered why I don't go to stores this time of year normally. Oh, hell no. Um, because it gets crazy. But now during a pandemic, I really didn't want to be there. Um, I did get some cool t-shirts yesterday, though. I got to oh, nice. say, Five Below uh, hooks me up with some cool shirts. I got a, a Daria shirt, which I was like super stoked about. And then a um, a, a Home Alone a Wet Bandit like wanted poster shirt. Um, yes. you know, I'm a big movie nerd. Uh I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, so are you. But um, I did want, uh, and we don't usually do like news or coverage of that kind of thing on this podcast, but uh, there was a big announcement yesterday. Um, and by yesterday, oh. that would mean like December 3rd. I don't know if you saw this, but Warner Brothers has said that every theatrical release for 2021, they're going to do the same day HBO Max release. Yes, and, I did. And I was mad. And unlike disney when they dropped mulan and charged a 30 dollars rental fee but you also had to be a subscriber uh these movies will be included with your hbo subscription um my understanding though is they won't be on hbo for long they'll only be on there mm. for a limited time and then they'll vanish and they'll the theatrical release will still be in theaters assuming there are theaters well, for them to be in be. yeah um fingers crossed that they might reopen but this is huge uh it sets a, a weird precedent for next year um well, that you know uh the theatrical experience we don't know when the vaccine will be everywhere um but they're saying maybe you know may as late as may that everyone might be able to get access to it and it is a process because it requires uh both the vaccines the one vaccine that has been a, on the cusp of approval um requires two shots so you have a shot and then you have to go back and get a oh, second booster. shot a month later um a booster and so you know it's going to be a process to get everybody vaccinated and that's assuming everybody will get vaccinated which is you know the big question now um, cause there's definitely going to be people who won't. Um, so safely, let's say theaters can open in May. That's going to give us now essentially five months of these only on HBO max releases, minus a few select theater locations that have fought the, the closing kind of situation. It's going to be, uh, beneficial for people like me who try to review new movies. And suddenly there hasn't been a lot of new movies for us to review, um, or at least maybe movies that I like. I don't feel like Netflix, Hulu, or um, Amazon does a great job of making sure people know what's coming out. Um, Hulu, especially. Like, there's a movie called Run that's out right now on Hulu that is directed by the same guy who did Searching, a movie that I adore and would have totally watched Run immediately had I known that it was even out. I had no clue, you know? Um, I actually had a student say, Have you heard of Run? And I was like, No. And I'm like, What? And now I have to watch it. I think Sarah Paulson's the lead in it too. So, um, yeah. And, uh, but again, Hulu, you gotta, you gotta market better, but theaters I could rely on. I knew what was coming out. Like it was always easy to find that. Um, currently there's just not a good system in place. Cause like you'll get everybody, all the press gets like this giant list of upcoming movies from like Netflix and stuff, but it's like, it doesn't just show new movies. It's like all the stuff they're getting. And I just feel like they need, if they're going to be dropping things like theaters, they need to have a better system in place so we know. Um, but because HBO Max thing is huge. See, I feel that way about Amazon. There's so much, or not Amazon, about um, Netflix. They just drop uh -huh. so much stuff all the time that it's overwhelming, like original content. Like, yep. 
and I just am going through it. Most of it doesn't even sound interesting to me, but, um, you know, there's just, it's like, how do you even wade through all that? Yeah. And there's so much, yeah, they really should try to narrow down like at least highlight one or two big releases or whatever every, every week. And some they do on the site, but that's not what I mean. Like I shouldn't have to go to netflix.com or to Netflix app to see what's out. Um, I should have like, you know, a, a almost like a movie time. I don't know. Maybe I should be the one to do it, but it's, it's hard to find the information. So, um, but HBO max, uh, I I've been a fan. A lot of, I heard some people complain about it. I've had no issues. Um, I'm lucky because I have video game systems where the app works. Uh, obviously mm-hmm. it's, there are issues if you have Roku or, uh, fire TV just added HBO max, I think finally, um, so there's been like issues with that. And then there was all sorts of issues with if you were HBO go before, if it like it transferred over or not, there was stuff like that, that were problematic, but I've been pretty lucky because I was with AT&T on my cell phone and I just kind of, it just happens. You just get it. And um, it's great. I, I, there's a lot of great selections on there. I've used it quite a bit for like the WB content, the uh, DC WB content. And um, I'm looking forward to these movies. I mean, we're starting with wonder woman here in a couple weeks. Um, on December 25th, it drops on HBO Max, and everyone who has it will be able to watch it. Uh, so, you know, it's it's, it's it's exciting, but severely nerve-wracking if you're a person like myself who likes to go to the theater in a normal scenario. It is my favorite thing, and for almost a year now, I've been uh, denied my one social thing that I do, which is go to the theater. Um, Just, like, the only thing that I really leave my house to do, actually. It's Yeah, especially, can, like, as much as I go, like... When I when I think about, I have not been to our mall since March. But if you were to look at my last four years, I was at that mall at least once a week, mm-hmm. if not more, um, for like four years. Like I would go almost every single weekend to that theater. There was a little window where I was uh, using the AMC A list, and so I was going to Disney Springs instead. But that was a small chunk of time. It was like maybe two months that I did that. So. For the most part, for four years, that movie theater mall has been like a second home to me. Um, and suddenly, you know, it was it was taken from me, and I'm sad. Uh, <laughs> I hope it reopens. Um, actually, to be real, I hope they build a newer, better theater that has nice seating because our seating sucks. But it's still like a home, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that was my am... big news thing. Yeah, it's so silly, but like I had favorite people who work at our theater. Mm-hmm. I. I hope that they are all still there when I go back, if that's where they want to be. But I don't know. It's... I mean, it's hard because they, they probably can't wait. You know, they're not yeah. getting paid. Um, I have a, a graduate um, and friend uh, works is one of the managers at the local theater. And I know most of the other people that work there as, just because I go there so often. So same, like I, I miss seeing them. And uh, I have seen a couple of them. And I, I'm, again, my student that graduated and whatnot years ago, um, I still talk to her on like social media and stuff but um but yeah it, it's it's still it's crazy when you go somewhere that often and it's suddenly just gone uh it, it's a noticeable like gap in my in my life day to day but i think that's that kind of covers what we've been doing so let's get into what we've been watching Corey, you want to go first or no, second i'll go first oh you don't have a lot i guess i have one thing oh man one thing I've been rewatching The Office. <laughs> oh, I don't know what time this is. I don't know. 
I mean, you know, it's always a great show to watch. It's so good. Like it has been a rough week. It's been like a rough two weeks, actually. Like let's be real. It was like ten Mondays in a row. You know, I don't know. It was just bad, and the office is just pulling me through. And I love Jim and Pam. Oh yeah, I just love them. And it's like every time I don't know, there are like so many good one-liners, so many. It's just so funny. Would I be able to handle those people in real life? No. <laughs> I like watching it on the screen, so that's it. <laughs> oh well, um. I, I mean, I, I get the urge to watch that from time, from time to time. Um, I have watched a few things. Uh, not as many as the last episode where I had been on vacation, so I watched, like, everything. Um, but, uh, so I watched on Saturday, um, or maybe it was Friday. I'm pretty sure it was Saturday. Yeah, it was Saturday. I watched uh, Happiest Season, which is on H, uh, is on Hulu. Sorry, it's on Hulu. Um it stars uh, Kristen Stewart, Mackenzie Davis, Allison Brie, Aubrey Plaza, um, directed and uh, written by Clea Duvall. Um, I really enjoyed it. It's getting some understandable criticism about it being another um, closeted homosexual story as opposed to, like, that's not their... I think the argument I read was that the gay experience is not only or is not limited to the coming out of the closet moment. And uh, there's definitely some problematic elements in this film but at the same time my understanding is that it's it's somewhat autobiographical from clay duvall's experience so it's hard like you can't say you can't tell your story because mm-hmm. it's like other stories so it's one of those things um i personally found it very compelling i thought it was pretty funny um i did see the points that were made but i didn't notice them while watching it because i am a cis white male and that's you know for me it was like getting to see a perspective of a world that i'm not privy to in a way that i found in a, in a genre that I'm quite comfortable with. I am a big fan of rom-coms. And so it just kind of, kind of worked for me. Um, you know, there's, it's a good cast. I enjoyed the movie. Um, I, I am always excited to see Kristen Stewart, uh, continuing to demonstrate that she's actually a good actress. So I was, into yeah. it. uh, then I watched a documentary called the social dilemma. Oh yeah. Um, on Netflix, it's really good. And, uh, it did make me, I've turned all of my notifications off of non-messaging apps. So, like, mm-hmm. obviously my text messages and my, like, Facebook Messenger, um, I still have those no- the notifications on, but I turn all the game notifications off. I've turned all of the social media notifications off um, because uh, it made me look at my phone a lot more. And I've noticed since I've turned those off, like, I'm not, I'm not just opening up Instagram all the time because I'm not seeing, like, that I have 20 likes. Like... I felt bad because I mentioned the HBO Max story. I I've sent a story to Matt this morning about it. He's like, "Yeah, I tagged you in it," and I hadn't I hadn't been on Twitter since I turned the notifications off, and I didn't realize it. Um, so, you know, positive change, I think. Uh, and at the same time, I felt bad because I missed something that he like tagged me in. But um, I watched that. Really, really uh, enjoyed that documentary. Then Matt and I just did our episode on the Christmas Chronicles Part Two, the sequel. Uh, that has Kurt Russell as Santa Claus and um, his wife Goldie Hawn in real life as Mrs. Claus. Um, it's fun. We like it. It's not. It's not the best movie. Uh, the first one's a little better, um, but I think they're both. You know, they they serviceable. But Kurt Russell as Santa is like my favorite thing in the world. He's fantastic as Santa Claus. Um, Monday, I watched the movie we're gonna be talking about here in just a few minutes. But then the last two days, well, three days, I've been on a Christmas movie kick. I watched White Christmas. 
which is a favorite of mine. I, I adore that movie. Um, I watched that the other night. And then uh, tonight, before recording, I, we did a double feature, my wife and I. Uh, we watched National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, um, a favorite of both of ours. Although I, I came kind of late to that movie because I still think uh, Griswold's a jerk. You know, Chevy Chase is is a jerk in that movie and it's hard to like him but at, by the end you do if you if you can get past him being a jerk you tend to find the humor in the movie and i i do i love it's it's stupid funny um uh, but then um i kind of jokingly but in, like kind of also really seriously wanted to watch it's a wonderful life um and i said it kind of joking and kathy was like oh i guess i'm like no no we can watch something more fun um i'm like i know you've seen it and then she was like well really i don't think i've watched it as an adult and i'm like well then we're watching it because i've been watching it pretty much annually for the last five years um or maybe six years uh it is one of my all-time favorite movies um i do argue that it's a wonderful life is not a christmas movie it is something way more it has christmas themes in it and it does qualify as a christmas movie but i don't just limit it to a christmas film um but man Corey, i cried more than normal. I always oh. cry at the end of that movie, but um, I was like, as soon as it started, my brain was already like thinking about the later parts, and I started tearing up like in the early part of the movie. I'm just like, okay, I gotta, I gotta bring it down a little bit. But it's been a long week, and so I needed the the reminder that um, you know, George goes through like you know, sometimes it feels like you're doing everything and no one else is doing anything, but they're there for you when you really need them. You know, like that reminder that uh. It might feel like you're, as a teaching hybrid and online, um, this week has been real trying. And uh, that kind of reminder that, like, you're, I'm not alone. And all the good that I'm doing, even if it doesn't look like I'm getting the results that I really want, I'm still doing things. You know, I'm still making a difference, even if it's not always visible that I'm making a difference. All those connections, you know. Um, so that was, that was I needed it. Uh, I love that movie. It is literally in my top five. Um, and Jimmy Stewart and or James Stewart, however you want to go. Uh, just one of my favorite actors. Um, I, uh, you know, I'm a big, obviously listeners hot take. I'm a Hitchcock fan and Stewart's in several of my favorite Hitchcock movies. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then, uh, it's a wonderful life. He's just amazing. So plus I love the Philadelphia story. Excellent movie. But um, that's what I've been watching. I, I did not get to the Titans uh, at, again this week. I, I went to watch them one time and I just didn't. Um, I did. I think I, I think over the weekend I watched like five episodes of Mr. Bean kind of okay. randomly. Like, um, <laughs> I've I've never... been... did, you, did you say you've never seen it? I've never. It's not really for me. But oh, my goodness. Yeah, no. Um, I just I feel like have you talked about Mr. Bean before? I think actually um, you have. Not. It's it's definitely possible. I haven't watched it in years. I used to when I was in like high school. I think it was on PBS, and I used to watch it all the time on that. Um, and I've like I I've seen the first movie. I think. Um, and I was you know it's it's Mr. Bean done in, as an American movie, so it's it's missing some of the humor. But um, I I ended up watching it because uh, Comcast is my cable provider. And they gave uh, me this Flex TV, like, Android box. <clears throat> and they have uh, a lot of apps on there. Not not all the apps, but one of the things they have is Pluto TV, which I've known about for years. I just never really bothered to watch anything on Pluto. 
but they it's a free streaming TV service. Um, they have like advertisements and stuff. Um, and one of the channels that just had like a marathon of Mr. Bean on. So I was like, yeah, why not? I'll just throw that on while I'm doing stuff. Um, so, you know, cause that's one of the things I miss about having like regular cable is the ability for someone else to pick what I'm going to watch. I just put it on a channel and let it happen kind of thing. word. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what Pluto TV basically did for me that day is like, Oh, well, Mr. Bean's on. I'll throw, like they have a mystery science theater 3000 channel. Um, they have a riff tracks channel where they just show they like back to back of those. An unsolved um, mysteries channel. They do. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I just threw that on and was watching, um, Mr. Bean for like a couple hours, I think. And, uh, it's still funny. I mean, there's only, it's a, there's not a lot of episodes to be real. Like I've seen most of the episodes multiple times at this point, but, um, it's been years and I, I enjoyed, you know, the episodes I watched. It's, it's good fun. It's good, you know, wholesome fun for the most part. So, um, but that's what we've been watching. And with that. We will take a short break. Um, When we return, we're going to get into our full review of I'm Thinking of Ending Things, uh, something a viewer might be thinking had they watched this movie, depending on your ability to process what it's it's doing. We'll be right back. And we are back. Um, So I'm Thinking of Ending Things is a Netflix original and another one of their kind of um, prestige plays. This is a director-writer, Charlie Kaufman, um, who is known as, at least in my circle, as a surrealist filmmaker. He's like the Salvador Dali of cinema. Um, His movies break reality left and right. They do whatever they're wanting to do and have a... they, They call out to be interpreted. You can't take what's happening at face value... They're generally not very plotty. Um, the term that Slash Film used, uh, navel-gazing, um, that, you know, it's it's very self-reflective and, and looking in on oneself uh, with no real, you know, other focus. And I like movies like that. I like stories like that, to be honest. I like to uh, kind of self-reflect and think about our role in the world. Um, this movie stars some, some really big, independent, predominantly film people. Um, Jesse, Jesse Plemons... Jesse Buckley, uh, who we we did our review of Wildfire, I think was the name of the movie, hmm? or Wild, something like that, the uh, Scottish singer movie. Oh, um, Wild Rose, I think. Wild Rose, that's it. I always mess that up. Wild Rose, the red um, hair. <laughs> red, that's what it is. I'm just like fire. It's fire. Um, but Jesse Buckley was the star in that. She was terrific. Uh, Tony oh. Collette shows up in this movie. David Thewlis, um, and Guy Boyd has a a major role, but for the most part, everyone else is minor. Um. They just kind of show up and leave. Um, has a 78 Metascore, a 6.7 INDB user score, and the plot synopsis is full of misgivings. A young woman oh. travels with her new... What happened? Oh, I'm just laughing because I can only oh. imagine. Uh, it's not very detailed. Um, a, a young woman travels with her new boyfriend to his parents' secluded farm. Upon arriving, she comes to question everything she thought she knew about him and herself. Um... So, uh, we're going to start with no spoilers, um, and then we'll get into spoilers. However, apparently this is based on a book, too, which I, yes. I did not know. Um, but um, I watched, uh, uh, I actually only listened to about half of the Slash Filmcast episode. Um, I didn't even get into the spoilers on that episode, but uh, David Chen, who is one of the, um, the, I would say he's the lead host of the show. He kind of is the runner. He, like, talks to them, guides everything. Um, he has, he has a YouTube channel and he had done a kind of more, uh, spoiler-ish interpretation, uh, video essay 
Um, and I watched that and, uh, he basically confirmed things that I had already thought. And that another video who I did not, um, at the moment, I don't remember who it was. I'm going to look that up while I'm talking here, but, um, I, I would say if you haven't seen Kaufman's directorial films, uh, he's only got three. Um, his debut was Synecdoche, New York, uh, followed with, uh, Anomalisa, which was a animated film. I think it's like a puppetry, if I'm not mistaken. And then this movie. Um, so he's only directed three films. Now he's written a few other ones being John Malkovich. We did on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't remember if we did eternal sunshine for this podcast. I think we Um, did. I thought we did too. And if not, I've seen that movie. I've taught that film. Like I am very, very versed in that particular film. Now that is directed by Michelle Gondry. Um, being John Malkovich is Spike Lee. Uh, nope, not Spike Lee. My God, Spike Jones is another Spike. Um, and uh, I like both of those movies. I, I'm a big, big Eternal Sunshine fan, though. That would be like over the other. But um, uh, Think Story is the other YouTube channel that I watched uh, their video, um, the ending explained. And again, I feel oh. like he more or less confirmed what I thought. Um, and I only understood this film. Because I feel like I understand Kaufman's visual storytelling style. Uh, because the first time I watched Synecdoche in New York, I had no clue what happened. And I had to, I, I made up a new rating on BerkReviews.com of inconclusive, where I, I was so unsure of how I felt about the movie because I wasn't sure I understood the movie. Um, and then on our podcast episode, either that we covered it or I at least watched it we definitely did an episode on Synecdoche. I can't remember like the details of that episode, but I watched it for the second time and I definitely got it much better. And I did a little more like reading and stuff about the movie to try to make sure I was getting what it was doing. So this movie felt easier because I felt like I was speaking the same language as Kaufman um, this time around, which I did not feel when I watched Synecdoche the first time. Um, So for me, I was immediately into this movie. Um, I think it's brilliant. I think it's, uh, I think it does a lot of the same style that Synecdoche does, except this leans heavily into horror um, in the second act, I would say. Like, and maybe it's Tony Collette and uh, her role in <laughs> yeah. Hereditary. Because um, he's definitely channeling a very similar, like, creepy, manic vibe. Uh, yes. But I, um, I, I, it's hard to say you love this movie because it is a, it's a very existential dour kind of sad movie at its essence, but it's, it's the way it's done, the way it presents it, the way it, uh, it actually hits some interesting stereotypes or, or tropes, um, from this type of movie in unique and interesting ways. And the performances are fantastic. I have Jesse Plemons has continued to impress me time and time and time again. The dude just keeps, upping his game um he is so good at being stoic and like feeling like there's like you can just tell there's so much right you can tell there's so much going on underneath the surface but on the surface it's calm and when it starts when he needs to leak out what he's thinking he's so good at it i don't know if you saw game night Mm -hmm. but he's like the i mean i actually love everything about that movie but he's like the best part of that movie um, and then he was, I had forgotten until I watched, um, El Camino, uh, last year or the year before, um, the Breaking Bad movie that he was in like the last season or so of Breaking Bad. Oh. 
Um, and he, he has a major part in El Camino, which uh, I think that, again, what we were just saying, how he has this really weird ability of just putting on the surface level of something. And then but yet you're aware that there's so much underneath the surface just waiting. And that plays such a big role in this film because he is so detached. But you just see little glimpses of what's going on. And it, it slowly alludes to what you get at the end of this movie. Um, now, I know without any question this movie is not for everybody um it, it is a challenging film in so many different ways uh it's uncomfortable um it's unsettling if you're looking for a straightforward narrative it is not that um if you've never seen a charlie kaufman directed film or even some of his written stuff you are gonna be confused because this movie breaks reality left and right um and yet seems like it's supposed to be in reality which is why it's so unsettling because it's like is this real or not i don't understand what i'm seeing and um if you're not used to that it's gonna be a crazy experience and it might make you love it or it might make you hate it it's just gonna be one of those two polarizing things with this type of movie um for me it's love i i totally enjoy this i've not been able to stop thinking about it um it it's it's exactly what I expected it to be. Um, and I, I, I'm so grateful I'd spent time with Synecdoche to really appreciate this movie. I actually haven't got to talk to our mutual friend, Brendan, who's a huge fan of Synecdoche, but I'd love to hear his thoughts on this film because I imagine he either, he either really loved it or he thinks that I could see him not liking this because maybe it doesn't live up to Synecdoche. Mm. Um, I'm not sure to me it did, but I'm wondering, I, I just knowing Brendan well enough, uh, I feel like it's going to fall in one of those two. Yeah, there's no right? middle ground. <laughs> um, and, uh, cause he has, some, we have like, sometimes I am a hundred percent right with what he thinks of a movie and other times he has gone the complete opposite where I think he's going to go with it. And so I'm not sure here, but, um, for me it was, uh, I, I see like the evolution of his, of his directorial style and, um, I still, I think Synecdoche is probably the better movie, but I found this one to be a little more, a little more accessible and a little more, um, I don't know. For me, I think I just clicked with the story a little more. Um, it was just, I think it's the simpler story in some ways because it's, it's, I feel like Synecdoche has got so many layers. I feel like this movie's like maybe just two or three layers, right? Like, I feel like it's a little more. Oh yeah, I get what he's going through. I get what all of these metaphors are referring to. Mm. Sorry, I spoke a lot. What did you think of this movie? I feel like we should just let you talk for this one. I can just say, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. Or like, ask some questions, maybe. Um, so, I feel like I'm not really smart enough for his films. I've seen um, his first one. I have not seen Anomalisa. I wanted to see it in theaters, but I missed it for some reason. And then I was told that it's very sad. And I'm very yeah. emotional anyway. Like, I ha sometimes have a hard time with really sad stuff. So there's that. But um, I watched the same video that you did afterwards. Um, oh, great. The, the second one, the ending one. Um, mm -hmm. and I totally got something completely different. I was thinking something completely different 
throughout the movie. So, oh. I mean, <laughs> this is where my, I don't know. I. Well, but I, I want to point out a few things. Uh, the movie's up for interpretation. I mean, but is so, it? <laughs> I think it is. Um, okay. I, I, I think, I think all movies are. Um, Word. that's why like some stories you're going to, you're going to relate to more I because would. you have a personal connection to and something that you thought was being said. I do have a very personal connection with what I think, it, what I thought was being said. Um, and I feel like so many, I'm like rethinking about the movie and like the scenes or the things that happened in the movie that made me think that. And I still feel like they're valid, but. I think they are, and I, I'm, I'm really excited to hear what your your interpretations are. Oh my god! Um, okay, because it, again, um, that's the beauty of interpretations. Is now, that's not to say you can misconstrue something for sure. I've definitely mm-hmm. done that, but I don't know necessarily think it's wrong because if you are we're all coming with perceiving our it personal experiences it, here. It, yeah, it's going to be what you connect to. Um, that's what, like, there's times where people say, oh, well, that movie's saying this. And I'm like, well, I didn't see it. Even, I just talked about Happiest Season. For me, I don't have the experience. So, to me, that movie is eye-opening in a way that I have never had that, that situation, right? Mm-hmm. Where a person who has gone through that are going to have, like, well, that's not how that happens. And that's not, it's not like that for everybody. I'm not as familiar with it. So, to me, it's it was a very fascinating story. I was very compelled. I found the characters very... Um, I, f- I found Mackenzie Davis's character endlessly frustrating, but I that didn't mean I wasn't empathetic to her either. Um, but with this movie too, um, I didn't connect with the character. I didn't think like, oh, that's how I feel. But I was like, oh, I get what's going on. I get why uh, we're we're seeing this, and I didn't get it immediately. Um, I got the idea. I, I knew right away, like not to freak out when somebody was suddenly older. Or when someone was suddenly, uh, you know, where like when uh, information was getting crossed, where like one time she was, uh, this was her major, and now it's this is her major, and I'm like, that's not a mistake, like it would be in other movies. This is intentional. It's by design. Why are they doing this? So I'm constantly asking why. What is the reason for that? And I knew that when I watched Synecdoche, I did not know I was getting into that. Right. Like I had no clue that it was going to do that. So I'm like watching the movie like, wait, what happened? I thought this was that. And it wasn't until after the end of the film that I really started to have to like go back and figure out all of this was not what it seemed. Um, in Eternal Sunshine, they do that, but they only do that in the dream world, in his memory space. Right. That's where everything breaks and reality shattered. But that makes sense because it's in his head. Um, that's essentially what Synecdoche is and what this is, except we're never told that it's in their head. Uh, like we are explicitly told that in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Like we know when we're in his head and when we're in the real world. In those, these other movies, we're just in their head the whole time. We're only seeing it from their perspective and, uh, the way they're interpreting things. And it's all metaphorical and allegorical and it's, it's, it's genius, um, ultimately, it's the melting clocks and we're just having to figure out that what the time is, you know? Um, I think, uh, I love the movie. Corey, it doesn't sound like you didn't like it. You just feel a little intimidated by it, but I don't think you should, but I get that, um, for sure. Cause that's totally how I felt with Synecdoche. Um, and I've, I still haven't seen adaptation. That's the big one I need to check off my list. Uh, cause that one's about him. Um, oh. where like Nick Cage is playing Charlie Kaufman. Yeah. Writing a script. Um, <laughs> 
So, and Meryl Streep's in that movie too. Um, I really need to watch it, but I, I have not. So, um, something I will eventually check off my list. Um, it might be a Minton Box episode next year, actually. Um, but I think we should get into spoilers. Guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about this movie in great detail. You have been warned. So, my interpretation is going to be what you've already heard. So, I'm not going to do that one first. I want to hear yours first. Oh my god, I don't want to do this. What did you this. think of it? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm so curious. Okay, so, like, that, okay, so I feel like it can be a little discombobulating, uh, because... Who I feel like we're shown that Louise slash Ames slash her 10 other names throughout the movie is our main character because that's who we're always focused on. Yes. That's what I was and thinking. And that's also what the Netflix synopsis is. Um, it's focused on her. Well, I, I just felt like we were always seeing things from her perspective or she was always the, like, she was where our attention was pointed. Um, mm-hmm. So... A lot of. <sighs> um, Don't just do that. You're so close to saying what you're saying. So, so there are quite a few different things that happen throughout the movie. But she's going to meet her boyfriend's family, and the story of her keeps changing. She says that she grew up on a farm. But another time she tells us that she grew up in an apartment and that it was miserable and blah, 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 blah. Um, You know, there's a part where he asks her to recite a poem and she recites it. And I was just like, how do you remember all of that? You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. I was very impressed. We find out that she's a painter and she shows some of her paintings to his mom and dad She's very repetitive of herself um, about many, 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 many things throughout the movie. Um, We do see the flashes of age, like differences in age. We see like a flash of, um, oh, why am I forgetting his name? The boyfriend. Um, I'm going to look, sorry. I also, uh, Jake, Jake. Um, where his hands are old. Um, But it's the part where, she goes into his bedroom, his childhood bedroom, yeah. mm-hmm. and sees the paintings that were her paintings, but they're Those signed. Are in the basement. Sorry, the Those paintings are in the basement. Are in the oh, it's the book yeah. in the bedroom. Um, right. She sees the paintings, except they are signed Jake at the bottom. Yep. And then she goes into his bedroom, and she finds a book of poems, and it's the poem she was reading. Or she was reciting. So those aren't hers. So I thought that... She, and also there was a point earlier in the movie where um, she finds out that... Was it his mother? No, it was his father. Who also changes ages many times. Mm-hmm. And the mother. But um, that she, that he has Alzheimer's or dementia. He never answers which it is. It's just something with his mind. So I thought that it was actually her that was suffering from that. Hmm. And, like, her changes in mood. Like, there are just so many different things that made me think this. I don't know. Um, You know? Like, that she was misremembering things that, and who they actually happened to. So, when she was remembering. So, uh, listeners who maybe aren't as versed with the, like, 
academic side of film um a framing device is is a, a tool that a lot of storytellers use where we wrap our main story in another story so like let's use edward scissorhands a movie i know you know very very well the story of Edward Scissorhands that we witness throughout the film is framed as a old lady telling the story to her granddaughter, right? Mm-hmm. Movie begins and ends with that framing device. Um, this movie doesn't give us the opening frame, but it slowly hints at a framing device. Uh, we see her, our first shot of the girl. Um, she looks up at the window and I think we see Jake look down at her. And that's starting to hint at this. And so the key element of the movie is that Jake is an old man, a janitor, who is thinking of ending things. He is tired of his life and he's considering suicide. And he's flashing back at his biggest regret, which was never finding love. And um, this, the girl, the young woman who's played by Jesse Buckley, um, was a woman he did see at a trivia night. At least that's what we're supposed to kind of take from the story she tells, but he was too scared to approach her, which is why when she's telling the story, it keeps getting messed up because he's trying to like fantasize what it should have been. And he's second guessing himself. What should I have done? What, what could have happened? What are some realistic ways that we could have ended up together, but they never ended up together. They never had a relationship. Um, which is why all of her stories keep changing because he, he's filling in gaps that, you know, he doesn't have that information. She was just a girl he saw one time and he regrets not talking to her. Um, and she represents more than that. That's why she, even the actress changes at moments. Um, the yeah. rom-com, uh, which there's, a, it's kind of a mean jab at Zemeckis, but the, the, oh, yeah. the <laughs> he's watching a rom-com that's really cheesy. And then it just like directed by Robert Zemeckis. And then, um, uh, the end of the movie, when he cuts to being an old man, that is a verbatim uh, scene from A Beautiful Mind, the Ron Howard film with uh, Russell Crowe. Um, and they're kind of making fun of the old old man makeup at the end of that movie uh, because they're all in old, like he's an old man makeup and they cut to the audience and everyone in the audience is in like really badly done old person makeup. Where like it's noticeable that it's old person makeup and these aren't old people kind of thing. Um, and, but he gives the verbatim speech from that movie. I've never seen that movie. Oh, well, you should you should. It won an Oscar. It's I like it. It's not as great. I don't think it was the best picture that year, but um it's a good movie for sure. Uh but and then it goes and he does a scene from Oklahoma, which I had never seen Oklahoma, but there was enough talk about Oklahoma earlier in the movie that I assumed that it was a scene from Oklahoma. Um and uh so like that all that can be interpreted for a, a multitude of things, but um we are we do get that he's a janitor there's hints we see the janitor earlier in the movie and there's like it's you're like what is this supposed to be and then when she's in the basement she looks in the washing machine and there's all these janitor uniforms in the wash um so there's like a lot of hints that jake is the janitor early and and good i knew that mm-hmm. i don't know I mean, I think your interpretation makes sense uh, like it would justify her her memory gaps and her her uncertainty and the change of names and the phone calls and stuff but, but like and i don't know even when it does change actresses in the car there were and i feel like this movie needs to probably be watched multiple times unless 
And also, I was thinking maybe before I watch any more of his films or rewatch any, I should just watch like a video explaining it first because there's so much that you can miss. There's like because it doesn't. I don't know how to explain it. It's not like big and flashy. I don't know. No, I think does it call out attention? You know, there's a, a restaurant chain. I don't know how far it goes. I, I know it's down here in the south, but called Cracker Barrel. I know you're familiar with it, Corey. We have it. You're from here. Oh, it's wow, really? It's all the way up oh, there, yeah. too, huh? Um, so one of my favorite things to do is go to the table and play the little triangle <gasps> puzzle game. Yes. Right. It's a simple enough game on its surface, right? It's little pegs. And I've played that game since I was a kid. You know, I my aunt bought me one because they have them. You can buy those or whatever. And I, I played it. I still have, I think I've only ever got to like two pegs like once or twice, right? Um, and I, it's a pattern. You can, you can, once you memorize the pattern, you can repeat it over and over again. But I've never bothered to try to memorize it. Like I literally just play it every time. Like I just do the thing. And um, because I enjoy the process, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like uh, that is kind of, not quite the analogy I wanted to go for, but it's it's in the ballpark, is that Kaufman's movies are a puzzle. Um, you can go through and nitpick every single little thing and get all of the answers, or you can just enjoy the, the process. And for me, enjoying the process is a big part of it. I like trying to solve it. I don't necessarily need the solution to enjoy it. Um, it helps. I, I don't want to be complete. Like, I, I want to at least know how to put the pegs in the holes, right? Like, I don't want it to just be like, I don't get it. You don't want to be bamboozled but, at the end, though, Corey. But see, I don't feel like he does that. And that's the thing. Um, I think he, he hits you at the end. I think he gives you a finale. He doesn't leave you completely, no. like, hanging. But um, at the same time, it's not always going to be clear in every every scenario and i'm okay with that again i'm not saying everyone i accept everyone will not like this movie but trying to like explain where i'm coming from when i watch his stuff is i like the challenge it's uh, honestly a rubik's cube is a better analogy but i hate rubik's cube like i don't even want to touch one i know i'm not going to do that like that's too much but um the other types of puzzles that are a little more accessible and yet at the same time i still don't try to master i don't put the effort in to memorize the routine i just want the experience of trying to solve it and that's more in vain for me with what i get from his movies but i can totally see why someone would be like screw this i just want to know what it's saying um but that's to me the kind of the genius of kaufman is that he i don't question for a minute he's getting something from making this like he is definitely working through things and that's what the navel gazing element comes in. It's like, it, it's very much about himself, but I think we need to do that. I, I think sometimes we don't look inward enough that we are way too quick to just look at the outside world and all the stuff around us and not, not reevaluate what matters to us and what we regret and what we're remorseful for. I... This movie's about loneliness, you know, yeah. and I get that. Go ahead. I feel like some of us do that enough on our own and we don't really necessarily, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think self-obsessed and and self-reflective are not inherently the same. I think there's a lot more people who are self-obsessed than they are self-reflective. Okay, fair. Definitely. And I, I think this movie is going for the self-reflective. I think, and I, I think Kaufman is. I think Kaufman, as a person, is constantly questioning his choices and his actions, and maybe that is a uh, a 
a trend in his style. I honestly, I've only seen Anomalisa once, and I don't currently remember it. Like, I remember Jennifer Jason Leigh's in it, and she's excellent as a voice <sighs> actress. I'm a big fan of her. I just but, like her uh, so much. Yeah, me too. And that's why, but I don't really remember the movie all that well. Um, there is a really creepy puppet sex scene. Um, but it's only creepy because it's puppets, and it's just not, you know, you don't expect puppet sex scene in a movie, but. Um, at least I don't. I, mean, I guess maybe other people do, but uh, I don't remember the movie well. Um, but I know it is definitely trippy. There's this whole thing. Um, I've read a few articles about it at the time, and maybe I blocked it out because of it. But um, and oh, so I do want to talk a, a minute about the trope. And uh, David Chen brought this up in his video. But there is a very uh maligned trope of a female character we call the manic pixie dream girl and the manic pixie dream girl exists only to help our usually traditionally straight white male protagonist uh fulfill their dreams to become something more to you know their life is boring and this manic pixie dream girl shows up and makes their life magical and wonderful and essentially that's what this young woman is except she's not real she's literally a manic pixie dream girl he has made her uh, to try to fulfill his fantasies, essentially, like be the the woman that I need you to be, the woman that I wish I had had, the woman that I would. So while inherently, if you are watching the movie on its surface, she comes across as that, especially when she's telling the story to the parents about how they met, and like you know, every time she's like really making him look good, you know, she's like bragging about how great he was and all that. Um, I think she even like says something about his like him in in bed or whatever because I think the mom makes like a really inappropriate joke. Yeah, afterwards. yeah. Tony Collette freaked me out in this movie. And so she's so, so great. Yeah, there were like just I don't know like the changes in even the parents because Louise, young woman, um, yeah, and Jake, they seem pretty like balance throughout the movie but his parents like they so i've been really anxious this week and i was thinking that maybe this wasn't the right movie for us to watch because it made me very 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 anxious like their change in moods their like even the way they were talking and just so i don't know you prepared for yeah no i I get that. Um, again, she's great uh, though. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it, but they're doing exactly what they want. Um, I I like every element of this film as far as like I like each sequence. I think they're really compelling, and uh, I think they do add up to something towards the end because I think to me, like all of the stuff with the parents is the kid how they view their parents. You know, like she's very clingy and overly like she's a smother, right? Like she's completely oh, my son's so great, my son's so great, my son's so great. It's like, but I'm not great. It's like where he's coming from. Just like, look, lady, I'm a janitor. Calm the crap down, you know? Um, But at the same time, needing that reassurance, you know what I mean? Like, I I get that um, uh, maybe too well, where like I I get very annoyed when people overpraise me. But at the same time, I really need to hear that I'm doing a good job. Like, I need need it, but I also don't want to hear it. Yes, exactly. Um, and uh that whole interaction like i think is exactly what he's always felt with his parents is like he loves them 
but God, he wishes they would stop talking. Like, and that's this guy, right? Like the whole time he's just like, oh my God, shut up. But yet they're in his head. All of this is happening in his head. So, uh, cause the idea is, and I mentioned the framing device and I kind of went off from it, but the idea is at the end of the movie, we see the, the last image. If you, especially if you stay through the credits is a snow covered car. Like the car is completely covered in snow. He is in that car dead is what we're supposed to have in pulled away like the whole ghost sequence of the old man walking behind the ghost pig uh the janitor walking behind the ghost pig is him kind of transitioning into the afterlife i couldn't handle him talking to her which telling us about the pigs um oh yeah and then like seeing that pig and then i don't know i read amityville horror which is a really great book and like the only book really that's ever scared me in my life oh, wow. um but there's like a part with a pig in it and it made me think of that because they didn't translate that to the movies when they made them well the one or two that i've seen but it, i don't know it just made me and it as i said this movie goes into the horror mm-hmm. um and the horror is essentially what this guy's life has felt like um you know, when he looks back at it, he's just full of regret and he's lonely and he's at the point now where he'd rather die than keep going. And it's super sad because of that. Um, but it's Kaufman. So you have like this weird humor because he's representing life. And that's, I think one of the things I, I, I've heard people criticize tone and I don't always feel like a movie has to be one thing because if it's mirroring real life in any way, Real life is full of all the things, right? Like it's, it has the dramatic moments. It has the, the funny moments. It has, you know what I'm saying? Like life is generally not monotone. It is, it is you know, nuanced and balanced and crazy and erratic. And, you know, you never know what is going to happen day to day and moment to moment. You might be crying and then suddenly hysterically laughing within a few seconds because something will just click for you like that. And um, I feel like that's what this movie does. Is it, it walks a tightrope of all these different Motion. feelings because he's he is sad, he is lonely, but it doesn't mean he hasn't experienced joy or, or happiness. And um, I feel like again to really know what to to long for something is acknowledging that you you know what could be right. Like I am sad because I feel like I needed a person who loves me, and that means you understand the like what how love would feel or how happiness could feel at least like the, the general idea of it. even if you don't truly get it you're longing for that that feeling right like like a drug addict who longs for that high again um and i think that's you know uh compelling and relatable and um and tragic and that's i i just i i kind of want to rewatch this movie i was just really really into it um again i i think this isn't a movie that should just drop on Netflix only because Netflix, not everyone who just watches what comes on Netflix is going to appreciate this movie. Like there's a a review on letterbox from a film reviewer that I follow, I guess. Um, and they, their review is, um, I'm thinking of ending my Netflix description, half a star. And it's like, well, good, good play on the, the title. But I also feel bad that if you think this movie's half a star, you're not getting what this movie's doing at all. Um, and yet I think that's okay. You know what I'm saying? Like this, it's, he's not trying to make a, a blockbuster here. Um, I still think to watch this and think it's not good is insane to me because it's like, no, this dude is, 
Like, I get, if you look at a Salvador Dali painting, you're like, I don't get it. Cool. But you can't say it's not a pretty piece it's of art. Skilled. Like, it's not really, Right. There's still, it's, it's clearly intentional. And that's what would bo- that's what bothers me with a half star. Like, I get you not liking it, but to look at this and say it's not intentionally this way is, is crazy to me. Because it's so intentional. I do want to comment. The 4-3 aspect ratio needs to take a chill pill. Dude. Because... I, I, it's like, I think we my eyesight is going. So long. <laughs> we went for so long with movies Wide getting screen. cut to fit our TV that we finally got widescreen TVs. And now they're like, you know what? Let's just cut it. It's like, look, guys, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine if there's a clear 100% reason why. I think there are moments in this movie where it makes sense. Now, um, what movie was it? There was this really good movie where the aspect ratio changes. Oh, um, oh, I can't remember the name. I saw it over the summer. It was at a film festival. It was really good. Uh, um, oh, I'm not going to remember what it's called. It's like right on the tip of my tongue too. But uh, if I re- remember what it is, I weirdo. It's I weirdo. Um, that movie uses the aspect ratio in a really cool way. And it makes perfect sense why it's used that way. I like that. I'm all for changing aspect ratios. If there's a clear, reason versus it being the new trend and it feels a little bit like that move this movie it's for the trend that it's like it's the hipster thing to do right now is to have your four three aspect ratio everyone's invested in widescreen tvs let's only use the size of the original tv <laughs> and it's like come on for what reason though um and worse and luckily for myself that i am versed with this and so i caught it really really quickly but i started watching this on my uh, Xfinity or Comcast box that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And a few seconds into the movie, I'm like, something is wrong. This looks distorted. The picture looks off. Oh, no. Did it, like, stretch? It stretched it to fit the oh, no. full screen. And I'm like, luckily, I've seen it. I, I'm familiar enough with like, aspect ratio. I'm like, this is not right. This is this box is, is stretching to fill. And so I, I pulled it up on my phone real quick to check, and I was right. So I switched over to my Xbox and got the right aspect ratio. But I was like, dude, I would have been so mad if I'd watched this whole movie like that. I would have been so mad because um, it's definitely – it looked bad because it's it's stretching it in weird ways. And um, stuff was definitely getting cut off the top and bottom. Word. Um, so – And I'm like, oof. I guess that we watched something early – of while ago that was also in this aspect ratio i believe and i wasn't sure if it might because i have an older tv in my bedroom my favorite place to be is my bed guys i dream about it all day and when i get off work i just want to go get in bed (laughs) and i was watching it in there and i think that i messaged you about it and was like is this how it's supposed to be because i tried messing with like all the you know yeah i remember that but i can't I remember, remember what movie it was. was i remember the message um like coming across it with like is this supposed to look like this and I was like, we don't Prop. usually talk about the movies but yeah every once in a while yeah that's a fair question though but yeah, yeah I, um so listeners if you are if you've made it this far and you haven't watched the movie but beware of your your uh streaming device and make sure that this movie has black bars on the left and right side of the picture it will not fill the screen left to right it will fill it top to bottom oh um but yeah just be mindful of that um if if it's stretching out it will look bad and that's ridiculous i don't know why the box does that um 
But again, I'm glad I caught it because I would have been very upset if I had found out after I watched the whole movie. But um, because I almost did, because I was almost like, well, it's Kaufman. Maybe he's just wanting the world to look distorted. And I was like, "Mm, this just looks bad, though. It doesn't look distorted. It looks bad. Like it's beyond like just like a fisheye lens or something. This looks awful. Uh, And so I double checked. I guess I I, people probably think I'm an idiot, but um, the four three race that aspect ratio, they're just Mm -hmm. not using the sides is that correct they're not like making anything smaller correct um it's a different so depending on your lenses and uh you can do it in post like you don't have to film it that way although traditionally it is going to be filmed that way but like um like tarantino shot uh hateful eight Mm -hmm. in a super wide ratio um and people criticized it because he used this super wide uh film that was had only been used a few times um because of the cost and he then locked them inside a, a cabin right so it's like Word. you're using the super wide angle where you should it's meant for like landscapes and things like that and you then throw them in a cabin but because of it he makes his actors always have to be on because they're almost always visible in the shots even if they're not the one that it's really focused on like if sam jackson's talking you still see walter goggins in the background and so this is like the opposite of that where we're, we're framing things in um, it, it creates nostalgia. That's why it works in a ghost story um, really well to me. I think the 4-3 ratio there makes sense. It has this kind of vintage vibe to it. He's even got the, uh, the kind of curved corners. Right. Um, it, it, it makes really strong sense there. Um, uh, again, this has been a trend. There's been several films that have done this in the last couple of years. Uh, a lot of A24 films have done it, although think lighthouse is that way lighthouse makes sense it's very claustrophobic in in nature and so having that framed in that way works right because this movie is all about him i was wondering if maybe that is why i don't know like for more i'm sorry go ahead um no i was gonna say it could be that uh i think slash film pointed out that um a lot of the film does take place in the car and it is this sense of claustrophobia Mm. there um that's trapped in the situation he is trapped in the situation so like boxing him in makes sense but there's you can box people in within the framing of the lens too where like you can put them like if you shoot through the window rather than in the car you shoot like on the outside of it like through the framing really you can make them look boxed in in other ways without just changing the aspect ratio but really let's talk about half the movie is in a car anyway and that feels claustrophobic enough any ways true yeah well exactly so um, and, you know, she's trapped and he is trapped and all that. So it could be that. But again, I, I don't know that it's it just feels so of the moment that people have gone back to this square ratio. Um, and it's fine. I'm not again, I'm not opposed to it. Uh, I just sometimes it just feels like an unnecessary choice when you have the, all the screen. Like, why not use the screen, you know? Mm-hmm. And it could be an artistic choice. Um like maybe he's like, well, I want to see how to frame things within this ratio versus like when I don't have all this wide, I have to bring everything closer together. If I'm going to get everybody in the frame, if I'm going to have all my my mise en scène in the picture. Right. Um, so, I mean, there's there's probably a valid reason. And again, it didn't ruin the movie for me or anything. It's just one of those like kind of nitpicky like everybody's doing it, though. So is that why you did it? So that everybody's doing it? Or really, did you really think it would add to your story? I don't really know if he would be the kind of, you know what I mean? I don't I mean person to do things just because other people are doing them. Well, that's the challenge with him is because he started as a writer and you okay. see elements of his style 
from like Eternal Sunshine, but like Michelle Gondry was the director and Michelle Gondry has done some more surreal stuff. So it's like, did he borrow Michelle Gondry's visual style or was Michelle Gondry interpreting the writing and Kaufman was, I, I don't know for sure, but I imagine Kaufman was probably on set. I get the vibe that he was like more hands-on with his stuff, but I don't know. And then Spike Jones again, uh, the visual style is a lot darker in, in being John Malkovich. Um, but I think that kind of translates into, uh, Kaufman's directorial stuff so like is his work just an amalgamation of what other people had brought to his scripts or were they interpreting his scripts with like his guidance but they were direct you know what I'm saying like yeah. it's, it's hard to Which uh, came first. to know where his style starts and where it's a, a, a mesh of what other people were already doing okay but I don't know but either way I'm I'm I am really into that kind of thing I like studying directors and and how they interpret stories um so for me is that's like my total wheelhouse uh not that i'm an expert by any means but it's just something i get really into uh i like patterns and i like seeing how um filmmakers kind of choose to uh tell their story how they evolve or how they don't evolve and you know fall to the wayside um but yeah uh that's i'm thinking of anything i think that's a good stopping point um i really really like the movie I think it is a challenging film, but one that I enjoyed, uh, you know, th pondering. And again, I haven't been able to um, stop thinking about for a few days. Um, I think that I would need to watch it again. I'm gonna. Just gonna. It's like you don't know was gonna breathe happen. hard <laughs> i know but it's so hard because it changes anyways when we talk about stuff yeah. like i i it's not very often that how i feel at the beginning of our conversation is how i end you know yeah and it well feeling. for me it's clearly it's going to be a must see but it's a it's a must see with a huge caveat that i know this is not for everybody yeah um but for me it clicks very very hard but i think fairly um even if you're you to me you seem like you like it but acknowledge that it's just really tough to like um well but but i also think uh you know like at the very least even if you aren't 100 percent sold on it there's not like a legit criticism either it's just more like this doesn't click personal for me. taste yeah and i wouldn't even say i just think that there's a lot going on and i don't think either that it's fair to rate it for myself after one watch but i i have in Exclusive created by Charlie Kaufman's <laughs> So all of all of Kaufman's movies. I think I'm gonna go with not quite Golden Pony Boy. But okay. I definitely agree with you about it not being for everybody. And honestly, I would have been I wouldn't have argued anything you said, but if you had gone like not a total waste of time, I would even understand that because at, at least at to me, you can't call this a bad movie. I totally can get why you don't like it. I, not you, but like the you as the, the general you, right? Like I can totally get why someone wouldn't like this movie. I can get why someone wouldn't want to watch this movie, why someone might be mad at me for recommending this movie because it stressed them out or it made them uncomfortable. It does um, all those things. And I get that. It does all those things. I enjoy the way his movies make me feel that way. I am okay with. There are other movies that make me feel uncomfortable in a way that I don't like. Um, which was almost a uh, revolutionary road, right? Like I, that movie made me like, eh, 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 I don't like it. But by the end of our conversation, I was like, you know what? It is really, it was much better than I was feeling like it was because I was just well, not in the mood. Cause for it. it is hard too 
to like rate these things because sometimes they are very so they're they are very so emotionally kind of taxing i guess um yeah and like this one and with this year yeah like you know you got to be in the right i i don't know why this movie worked for me this week because i've had a tough week it made but me very for some anxious. reason i maybe was like hey you know i need i needed this movie this week yeah i think you just like thinking about them a lot so yeah um well listeners that is our uh episode on I'm thinking of anything. It's the new Charlie Kaufman film that came out on Netflix just a couple months ago, but almost slipped through the cracks, uh, and we caught it now. I'm happy about it. Corey's not as not as sold, but still not not upset about it, which is good enough to be honest. Um, next week, we're going for the blockbuster. We're going for that big mainstream movie that we missed, um, and we have a kind of weird thing in common about this movie. Is Corey picked Mulan, which is now streaming on Disney Plus. If you're a subscriber, you don't have to pay any I additional money. You can also buy it on uh, physical media, um, which I was a little surprised at. And it's at like Redbox and stuff. But we're going to be watching Mulan. Um, and Corey and I have never seen either version of Mulan. We haven't seen the animated version or this version. So we're going to try. We're not going to commit. We're committing to the new 2020 Mulan. That's what we're watching. But we're going to try to watch the animated one too. Because why not? It would make sense to see... You know, I have seen every other live action adaptation that Disney has dropped and I've I've hated all of them. Not Cinderella, right? Except what happened? Not Cinderella. No, as I was about to say, okay. Cinderella was the big surprise. That was the one I, I waited to see. Uh, I was like, Yeah, whatever. I, I honestly haven't seen it, but Cinderella is my favorite princess. Her and Aurora. Thank you very much. I really like that one. Um and I actually was pleasantly surprised with Aladdin, but I went in with real low expectations of Aladdin. Like I was like, there's no way this is going to be good. And let's be fair. That movie had the magic of Will Smith. Will Smith is inherently likable. And so he can make any movie better just because he's Will Smith. Even the worst movies are, are not as bad because Will Smith is in them. Um, that said Mulan, I was excited for because they, it was the first one that Disney has done where they weren't just trying to make the animated film again. Um, they, they, they got rid of the music is my understanding. Like Ooh. there's a traditional Disney princess. There's, it's a, it's a musical. This is not, um, there is a, I knew Eddie Murphy voices a dragon, uh, Mushu in the animated version. That character is not in the live action adaptation. Um, my understanding is they wanted to make this movie feel more like a real life, um, war movie. And so I was all on board with that. Unfortunately, the reviews have been middling at best. Uh, so not super stoked to catch it, which is why it was slipping through the cracks. I didn't want to spend $30 on a movie that people were saying wasn't that good. Um, so I waited. But that's what we're watching next. So I'm, I'm excited to check it off the, the list for 2020. It's a movie that I uh, was supposed to get a big theatrical release and then didn't get to. Um, it was the first big movie to be dropped straight to streaming that instead of getting the theatrical run that it was expected to. Um, and has maybe set the bar. We see now Wonder Woman 84 dropping in December. And then, as we mentioned, all of WB's big films next year are going to drop on HBO Max. Same day as theater at no additional charge. Uh, so take that, Disney+. Plus. So I'm now wondering, too, because um, the new Pixar movie, Soul, is supposed to drop on Christmas as well. And I'm oh, wondering yeah. if Disney's going to give it to us for free, if they're going to still try to make us pay for it. Um, it's Disney, I feel like. But if they're going to compete with Warner Brothers, they're going to need to, you know, change their style. Do they really have to compete though? Because it's Disney. 
fair point. Fair point. And again, to be fair, if you just wait three months, apparently yeah. we get it for free anyway. So, or not free, but we get it with the streaming service. I was so. really looking forward to Soul in the theater. So, me too. I'm a big Pixar yeah. fan, so I, I'm I was excited to see it. But you know, I am going to watch it mm. at some point. We'll see what happens. Um, but that is our episode, folks. If you like what we're doing here, we ask that you take a minute, rate and review the podcast and whatever podcast uh, listening service you use. And follow us on social media. I'm at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. We thank you for listening to the show. Um, we'll be back. We have three more episodes in 2020, and then we'll reveal the uh, really cool schedule that we've got going for 2021. We're very excited uh, for many reasons to get into 2021. Um, but we still have three more episodes of 2020. We'll be back next week with another one until next time. Keep watching. This has been a Burke reviews podcast. Burke reviews.com. <laughs>